0: It's time for Star Wars All In, the show that Gulls all in on the details, characters, concepts, things, stuff, books, novels, comic books, publishing <laughs> initiatives
1: of that galaxy far, far yes. away. Yes, all of those things and more. Don't forget Star Wars Pop Sockets. We talk about those two here. I am Mac, one oh. of your hosts here, and I'm with my print hoarding friend... Ross Mac, it's great to be back here in our first show together of 2021. Yeah. Unfortunately, if, <laughs> the other shows we were supposed to record together in 2021 weren't able to happen. We'll, we're going we'll to get them. But here we are. Don't worry. We're here. We're ready. And we're talking Star Wars. We have three really fun topics today. We are starting out with Grogu dot, dot, dot. Yay. So far, because we know there will be more to come, but now's as good a time as any. We've probably got a whole solid year without any more Grogu lore being added to the fandom. And now that we've digested
0: season two of The Mandalorian, it's time to talk about where Grogu is at the moment. Do understand we are going to talk about the end of season two. I would say, spoiler warning, but how have you
1: not watched it by now? It's so yeah, come good. On, come, <laughs> on, come on. you Come on. Get out there and watch it. You know, just the other day, I mean, the other day, a week or so ago now, um, I actually got to sit down with a friend of mine. And, you know, we watched Mandalorian season two together mm-hmm. uh, from start to finish, which was the first time I had done that since it wrapped. Yeah. um, And it really does feel... So much larger in such a fun way. Yeah. Um, It really also feels like a conclusion, which is odd. You know, it ends and it really does feel like an ending, which I felt very satisfied by. And so does the first season. The
0: thing I love about Mandalorian is it's made unlike TV shows where it has an arc through a season and then the season wraps and you left on a cathartic note where you want to know more, but you could walk away from here if you want. If it gets canceled mid-season... You still got an ending. Wait, it kind of like the movies. Yes. Where all the movies are an episode, and when you're done with that episode, yes, you want to see Empire after New Hope, but you don't have to. Yeah. Y- you can walk away from that and just meditate on it, and it's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. So- Speaking of movies, we are also going to c- go into the movies and research a character similarly related to go- Grogu, maybe not by blood, maybe by maybe. blood, we don't know, yeah. uh, is we're going to talk about the episode one character, Yaddle.
1: Oh, classic Yaddle. Yaddle, Yaddle, Yaddle. How I can't wait to talk about you It's <laughs> and your pomp. Okay, we're going to talk about Yaddle, and then we're going to wrap. We are going to talk about uh, High
0: Republic a little bit. If you are starting to High Republic, we really don't get into any spoiler stuff, but just a word of warning. If you're going dark, we are going to talk about some High Republic topics as we explore the
1: Starlight Beacon. Yes, yes, yes. The, uh, the, um... Boy, what can I say that won't be a spoiler? The uh, the new thing from that new book that you may have read yet—the the shining jewel of what the High Republic means. Yes, yes, I think the,
0: that's the the symbol of the Jedi. The symbol of the Jedi—that's a good way of putting it. All right, my friends, we're gonna go Grogu, Yaddle, the Starlight Beacon, and we're gonna get started here right after this. So it's 41 BBY. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And what, lo and behold, is left on the doorstep of the Jedi Temple. Why, It's a youngling here for the Jedi Council to be raised by the Jedi Council. And it's this small, green, triangular-eared baby Yoda.
1: <laughs> mac, 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 mac. Yeah. We have to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Well, we have to. But- but it it is a Yoda. It's it's
0: it's, it's whatever. It's,
1: it's, it's Yoda. Like Yoda is Yoda's the, the name and Yoda is the species. It's like well, Mario Mario.
0: <laughs> it's Yoda. He's a Yoda.
1: Yes. Yes. Exactly. Um. Well, maybe who knows? Maybe Star Wars will resolve that for us one day. Uh, maybe not. Well, but what we're here to yeah. talk about today is uh. Well, Grogu.
0: The child the, that they named Grogu. Yeah, yeah. Grogu.
1: So far. We'll call it because we still have a lot of Grogu's story to cover. Oh, that's true. But we have about fifty-one years worth of it, give or take. Uh, you know, minus some uh, some missing pieces of it. So why not cover it while now we're in a downtime? We won't be getting any more Grogu for a little bit, probably. Right. Let's talk about him while we have a chance, because there's a fair amount, a nice bite-sized chunk we can talk about now before his story gets too big and uh, overblown.
0: Yeah, so um, what we basically know about Grogu earlier, I think, is the part that I wouldn't be surprised as we go forward, we might get filled in because we have, he was born, found as a Jedi foundling, um, and uh, was raised to be a Jedi, learned the ways of the Force. Mm -hmm. Had many
1: Um, masters throughout his time at the temple. Right. Makes sense, right? He spent, you know, probably 30, 40 years there. Well, maybe not quite that much, but 20 years there give or yeah, take at least 20 yeah 40, say, we'll say yeah nice we, round number yeah because so, he's
0: 50 by the time we 50 ish yeah. when we meet him and
1: so let's just say that's like 30 ish years after the rise of the empire yeah so at best take.
0: at best he spent yeah. half of his life in like jedi care
1: yeah so a fair amount enough time to learn a thing or two And some force powers, because while he is growing
0: at a much slower biological rate, I think we have established that he is still a being of current time in the sense of, like, while he may not be as intellectually developed as, you know, he's still a two to three to four-year-old, you know, mentally. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. He's also spent a lot of time with masters and really built his force powers out for what a child of that age can understand.
1: Yeah. Because the Grogu we meet in the Mandalorian is a child who has repressed their force powers over the decades to help keep themselves safe. You know, as Ahsoka tells us. Right. So, uh, we have this character who, you know, we've only seen two members of his species before. Correct. Yoda and Yaddle. And this is the first time we've seen, uh, you know, what we could describe as an infant version, you know, as a being that can't speak. Um, and so we're learning a lot about it. We're seeing all kinds of things about this character. How can it communicate? How does it move and act, you know, when it's not big enough to really survive on its own? What does it eat? That's a that's a uh, big part of his story. We found the answer, everything. Oh, yeah uh. and we'll talk about it all in a minute here. But, you know, this is a character who... We're not so much seeing, I mean, we're seeing him grow and change as a person. You know, we see Grogu learn new things and, um, you know, have motivation, have emotion, things like that. So it's not that we're not seeing the character grow or change, but because the character ages so slowly, yeah. you know, it, it, we're seeing such an interesting and different time in this species life cycle that we've never seen before. And he's so freaking cute. He's so cute. You can put his face on everything. You can put it on cups. You can put it on bowling balls. You can put it on pop sockets. You can put it on skateboards. You can put it on trash cans. You can put it on bar tables. You can put it on action figures. You can put it on playing cards. You can put it on Funko Pops. You can put it on drinks at Disney World. You can put it. Oh, no, I lost it. I lost it. All right. I was trying to. But you're right. You can put it on
0: literally everything. Which. Between season one and two of the Mandalorian, they have tried.
1: They have they, tried they, to put it on they, they, You know, they couldn't put anything on pre-season one, uh, you know, to hide the surprise so that by the time they could market it, oh baby, were they ready? How many are there? I think there's six different Grogu pops already. Yeah, that sounds right. There's a few, that's for sure.
0: I mean, and, and I get why it, it's such an iconic, again, the reason it, that, well, it's a great character. People want to own him. Well, and it is such a Star Wars emblematic thing because the reason we called him Baby Yoda was he's in these swaddling tan robes mm-hmm. and he's Yoda, but really, really small. Like, it is it is a cutified yeah. infant v- version of Yoda, so it is very obviously Star Wars. It cannot come from anywhere mm-hmm. but Star Wars. But I think what's interesting is that as we've gone, we are building this character out to be... Have a deep inner life that I don't know if anyone was really expecting. Because, so, right, let's go from there. So, he's raised by the Jedi. Yes.
1: Yada, yada, yada. The Clone Wars happen. Yeah, yada, the Purge yada, yada, happens. yada, He's taken from the temple. We don't know how. We don't know if he was stolen, abducted, hidden. You know, they, they use the word hidden, but. And We we don't really know. It sounds like, again, there can be
0: an entire adventure scape of the people before the Mandalorian that cared for this critter that he got to where he was. Because I think one of the most interesting things I can't wait for us to be told, and I think we will, is blah, 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 blah. Here we are a couple of years after the Battle of Endor, and he is being held seemingly in okay care By a group of weak way mercenaries, rough and tumble, weak way mercenaries on this off the beaten path place and they're protecting him. Now, we don't know if they're protecting him because he's a useful bargaining chip or a property that they want to move around. Or it could be that they were charged by whoever's been protecting Grogu this whole time. We don't we know. We
1: have no idea. No and one as have the no story answer.
0: goes on, it seems a lot more morally questionable whether Din Djarin was right to kill all those yes. people to, to take the baby. The but only
1: thing I'll say about all that, because I agree with everything you just said, is Grogu, obviously by the end of season two, but even earlier on than that, is happy to be with Din. I mean, oh, sure. I mean, even in, even in episode two you know, of the show, the, the episode titled The Child, where we really get to see him for the first time as they're exploring that planet. You know, he's going after the egg. They have a connection. You know, well, the, the child doesn't seem upset that he just killed his 20 fathers. Well, let's put it I this way. I, I, think, I think the idea is that if you were
0: an infant being raised by a group of pirates, yeah. even if they're trying their best to be kind, it's not what real people would call kindness. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, they're too rough around the edges yeah. to be effective. But... I'm just saying there's an interesting story of how Grogu gets there. But that's where the whole story opens up. That is the end of season one, episode one, chapter one, is the pram being opened and us being revealed of the asset. Yeah. The reveal. That -mm -mm. that our Mando hero has been chasing turns out to be a baby. Yeah. A a A baby we've seen before. Yeah.
1: You know. It's
0: just this helpless little infant. And there's just the great example of him, like, just kind of looking down as it reaches its hand up towards him. And you can already feel like, oh, oh, I didn't know the show was going to be the continuing adventures of space, Dad.
1: <laughs> but I'm yet, all for it. But here we are. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's fantastic. Uh, so, as Grogu's time uh, with Din goes on, they have many adventures, of course. In season one, they have their time with the Mudhorn, which is a huge event for them because... Oh. Din learns about his power. Oh, go ahead. Just one last thing mm. I want to add before we cuz we're not going to recap obviously all no, season 1 no, and 2. No, of no, Mando, no, 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 but no.
0: i will say there is one little piece of his life that's important right here which is Din turns him in. Yes. And there's a doctor who starts drawing blood samples yes. and starting midichloric M count. Yeah. Uh high M count blood samples from him. So there is a part where we can kind of see the the what the Empire wants to do with it. They're experimenting on him. They're trying to draw blood and tissue samples from him. They want to harvest him as a way to whatever nefarious purpose they're grabbing all this high force right. being um, biomatter from. And that's that's what helps us really justify when din makes his decision of like I can't let that kid be held by them he goes and you know takes out the base takes mm-hmm. the ch- child and it's sort of I I would say it's it's the moral um it's the moral justification for that cuz it's not just din's doing it because it's right it's because what
1: they were going to do with the child was very 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 wrong absolutely yes uh well I mean when you're you always are going to have your hero character in Star Wars stand on the moral high ground i think sure and you know that's what that's why din Djarin is a hero that's why we're following him that's why he has a show is because of this one heroic deck essentially everything that is going to happen to this character mm-hmm. is because of that before that he was just a successful mandalorian foundling bounty hunter yep and this is what will make him new yeek unique and put him on his path to well wherever he ends up greatness yeah Right, to greatness. That's exactly right. Well, uh, him and the child spend much time together on their adventures. First, they try to hide. Then they try to work. Yep. Then eventually they meet a uh, you know, an antagonist, Moff Gideon, who wants to get the child back for the Empire. And then they spend uh, an indeterminate amount of time searching for Mandalorians across the galaxy. And throughout all this time... Our two characters are growing closer and closer to one another. Bonding. So, you know, we see little snippets of it, little, you know, little snapshots of adventures, but there's so much more in between this, presumably that makes yeah. them grow close
0: and you get little tastes of that where like Absolutely. there's a, an episode that opens up with like a Grogu somewhere deep in like the nest of wires on the razor oh, crest. I love it. Crest, so and much. it's like, no, the, the, the no, connect mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. no, 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 not those two. Like yep. he's trying to talk him through a repair. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, so that just tells me that again, I, I get the feeling this is not the first attempt at that. Like <laughs> I assume that they've been trying to work together and one thing that's really important is when the armorer gives the signet to yeah. to um din the mudhorn. Yeah. It is partially because yes, his symbols revealed himself to him, but it's also you have clan now. Mm-hmm. You have a family. You, this this child is intrinsically part of who you are. It is it is your foundling. Um which Absolutely. is another reason why I feel very confident Grogu and Din are not going to be just separated for the rest of the Mando run. That's, they're going to get back together because this is, this is the Mando's child. It is yeah. his um, surrogate son. Yeah.
1: Everyone refers to Grogu as Din Djarin's child. Yeah. Except for Din. Except for Din. So He's it's still it's, not... it's one of those great things of it's sort of said and seen but never really acknowledged by the main character and that I think is just a really well written way to do it. Um let's take a minute and cuz obviously you know We're not going to go through every episode and all that. We will talk about uh, the sort of the goodbye of Grogu, his finale for now. But before we get there, let's take a minute and talk about uh, some of the stuff we've glazed over. And that is uh, the diet of the child. Oh, yes. Because throughout the two seasons, the 16 chapters we have, we do get to see a fair amount of uh, food consumed by little Grogu. (laughs) So let's just run through them real quick. So we have frogs. There's a couple, you know, on Koil's farm, and then again on uh, Sorgan. Yep. You know, he he has some frog action. He also gets some bone broth he on Sorgan. He likes that cup of bone broth. The, the bone broth that is my favorite Funko Pop, by the way, out of all the variants, is him uh, with the little cup. Uh, big fan, big fan for sure. Uh, they eat some cray- dragon meat. Um, I don't know uh, if we yeah. see. Do we see? I don't know if we see Grogu. Expressly eat it because we see. Um, well, we know Amy Sedaris eat it there. Well,
0: we know uh, that
1: we see people getting he, cuts of it. So. Yeah, right. And she's cooking it in the hangar. Her Treadwell's so cooking. It, so the chances of that scene yeah. ending with Grogu not eating any of it is basically zero. Exactly. Uh, we know he likes to eat spiders, uh, pre-born preferably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, of course, frog eggs, frog, frog eggs. lady eggs, the Ender of Bloodlines, baby <laughs> oh, Grogu. <God. laughs> Um, Squid Stew, of course. Uh, I didn't actually... I couldn't find an official name for that, but I'm going to call it Squid Stew. Well,
0: Squid Stew, I think, puts the idea... And again, preferably dead because he can't handle yeah. the live
1: version of Squid yeah. Stew. Gets all up in your face. Oh, God, I love that scene so much. Oh, it's so good.
0: And it, and and if nothing tells you the equilibrium these two characters have gotten with each other, is how offhandedly Dyn just pulls the stiletto knife, kills it, and then, you know, eat. Um, like... Don't play it with your doesn't Skip a beat. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's so good. Oh, uh, it's so, so good. Uh and then, of course, some of those beautiful blue green macarons. Yes. Uh that he gets to eat At that the you too can buy from William Sonoma for fifty dollars. You can? Oh yeah. There's officially Disney licensed uh, Star Wars Mandalorian macarons, Space baby Yoda Space Macarons for fifty dollars oh, for like twelve of them or eight of them or something oh, from that's... William Sonoma.
0: I, I, this is too expensive. I mean, uh, I'm, there's also I'm a going great... to Disney World,
1: so Star Wars food is a novelty. <laughs> I shouldn't speak on it's yeah. too
0: expensive, but because it
1: all is. Uh, there's also a great uh, binging with Babish, if you're familiar. It's oh, a, a yeah, YouTube yeah. channel where he makes the uh, Baby Yoda macarons, uh, and he has a little guest appearance from Jon Favreau in that episode. So, oh, Babish uh, is great. Worth worth checking out if you want to make them yourself. Uh, macarons aren't actually that hard, just time consuming, and you just have to follow the directions expressly.
0: They're, they're just, they're an easy failed recipe, I guess yeah. is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um,
1: but anyway, uh, that's a lot of food. And we get to see him throw up macarons too, We get to see which him is throw fun. Up. And I have that moment on my pop socket and I love it so much.
0: How charming.
1: I know. Isn't it great? <sighs> it's technically right before that moment when they're spinning around in the ship and his arms are up like a roller coaster.
0: Because who
1: wouldn't want that? Um, uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> so again, that's Grogu you know eating happens. for you.
0: Um. And I think it's interesting because we we don't get into deep depth with it, but like we did see with like the throw up of like Din is taking care of an infant. He's mm-hmm. cleaning up the food. Like he's obviously getting that thing to the fresher and taking care of that. Like, Absolutely, this is a child that is. I like I said, I would put peg him at like somewhere between two and four as far as mapping on a human child. He can walk. He's not verbal yet, but he's. He's kind of expressing himself through coups and stuff like that. But this is not a house trained animal yet. You know, he's still figuring out how to like do basic care and need for himself. And Din has to do a lot of that. Um, And I I just I think it's so charming that, again, it's such a helpless being that needs that needs someone to help him out, which is, I think, what makes the Mandalorian so good, because, again, Never in a million years did you think of, like, a guy living on the edge of space, like, Boba Fett, like, (laughs) child-rearing. And all I can think of ever since I've seen this is just, like, thinking of Boba Fett when he was an infant and Django doing the same stuff in Slave (laughs) 1, which
1: would have happened. Oh, I love it so much. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Because let's just say Mandalorian's
0: full of single dads. I don't know.
1: Mm -hmm, (laughs) It's mm -hmm. a thing. And you know they've spent time together because young Boba knows how the Slave 1 works. And he's cheering as they're trying to murder a Jedi. Yeah, no, he's
0: just not hanging back on Kamino being raised by these long neck folk. No, (laughs) dad is active. He's there for his son. A hands
1: on parent for sure. You just see like the
0: Little League, like you know, trophies in the uh, background of their apartment. You know, yeah, yeah. Number one dad mug somewhere around there. You
1: think they play Little League on Kamino? Uh, I
0: think the Fets might. The f- they seem like a baseball family
1: uh-huh. uh huh, or, or whatever the equivalent of space baseball is, which <laughs> I'm sure exists. Yeah. OK, so that's Grogu's diet. <laughs> and uh, let's talk a little bit about Grogu's last scene, because yeah. there's a pretty monumental moment here at the end of season two, chapter 16, The Rescue, where Grogu gets to meet uh, another Jedi. And for the first time ever, one he has definitely not met before.
0: Right, because as we led through season two, we had Ahsoka, which gives us the mm-hmm. idea of Grogu. There's a lot more going on inside him. Yes. Like, we can hear through her the voice yes. of Goku. Grogu. And um, and Grogu has showed force powers, and now we know that they're not just innate. Like, he learned the force. So when right. he, when he helps with the Mudhorn, that is a conscious decision. That's not just yes. a feeling. That is un- unlocking his force powers for the first time in how many year- every yes. years? And now we have the chance
1: to, as Din puts it, like, get you with your people. Yes. So, as, at Ahsoka's word, they take him to Tython, put him on the seer stone, mm-hmm. and uh, a giant blue beam of energy surrounds him. And I uh, also want to call out the little blue butterfly he's playing with, which also pops up in one of the more recent Darth Vader comics mm-hmm. while he's meditating on the Force. So, a little connective tissue there that might turn into something one day. Who knows? But we have that moment where he's basically stuck in this trance, this blue beam of energy on top of the stone, and Din tries to get him out, tries desperately to pull him out, but just cannot break through. And mm-hmm. then as soon as he's done with his intergalactic space phone call, he just lays down for a little nap. And that's when he's snatched by the the dark, uh, troopers. dark troopers. Yeah. It's so sad. I can't even, I can't and, even and think about Din- it. And that's when Din just goes, again,
0: full space dad. Like, Fierce pack animal like, yeah, instead of doing anything logical to try and get the child, he's like, no, I'm going to find Gideon. I'm going to smash a ship. I'm going to kill everyone on board until I get my child back. Yeah. Which is so fierce and delightful.
1: It <laughs> is. It's very good. I do want to point out, though, since you brought it up, there's one moment there where he's just like, well, our deal's done. The child's gone. Like, when he's talking to Boba and Fennec, it's just kind of like he's given up. Like, we didn't really get to see him be angry at all. Right. I was kind of surprised by that. They just kind of, like, went right into, nope, we're just going to rescue him. Like, there was no time for him to wallow in it. I feel that there's two pieces
0: to it. I think there's one, hit, there's a defeat there. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also a certain level of... I'm not going to ask a damn soul to go on this with me. It's a suicide mission I, that's yeah. forming in my head of just going for Gideon's throat, yeah. which is not wise at all. And I'm not going to ask anyone to be dragged along with this. I mean, I'm going to have to do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and okay, I mean, I can totally
0: believe that. That's fine. And, and, and again, what's great about The Mandalorian is he's a man of action. We see his words more than he says them. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, so I think it's fun. to let,
1: You can paint a lot into that moment. For sure. And as Grogu is taken back to Gideon's cruiser, uh, somewhere across the galaxy, Luke Skywalker has heard the call of the child and is on his way to rescue him. So even though Grogu along or uh, even though Din along with his team of Boba and Fennec and Cosca and uh, Bo have raided the ship and successfully taken it and saved baby Grogu, they've got one more threat to face and... This is where Luke comes in, saving the day, being the hero, the legend that uh, we've all heard he was. And this is Grogu's big moment to shine with his uh, surrogate father, Din, you know, their last moment together. This is Din's first time taking the helmet off uh, in a willing way, in a way that is quote unquote unnecessary, well, but he's the first still time he... choosing it to do it on an emotional yeah. level. Um, so we have this. Not only important moment for our main character, the Mandalorian, but we have this important moment for our secondary character because we as audience members know so much about who this new character is, whereas to Grogu and Din, he he's no one. He's just a Jedi who just saved them. And what that's was it. Say,
0: he's a Jedi. So yeah. that's what Din told himself all through season one was his idea is to get yep. you back to your people, you know, to finish my quest, which is to deliver you to the Jedi. Yeah. And then... You're not going to say, I don't know, what are your credentials? I don't know, you just killed, like, a battalion of dart troopers to save us. Oh, for sure. You seem on the level. You seem like a guy I could trust.
1: Yeah, for (laughs) sure. So there's that great moment with Grogu and Din where, basically, Din says, I will see you again. Right. But you have to go now. Be brave. This is where you belong. You know this person will help you. And Luke basically says, listen, I don't have to take him, but he needs training if he wants to be safe. He doesn't say I'm going to take him and make him a Jedi. He doesn't say he's going to come to my Jedi Academy. He just says, listen, if, if you want training, I'll be happy to train you and, and I will sacrifice whatever it takes to do it. But it's not a, I'm abducting your child well, and leaving. And it's also it's not, not a temple. permanent thing. Yeah. that <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't have the permanence that the Jedi temple of the prequels had. Well,
0: and I think at this point, again, everything from <laughs> All right. Asterisk, everything from here is speculation. Um, mm. We don't know if Luke even has the inklings for his academy And he
1: shouldn't. I mean, canonically, he should not, based on where we are in the timeline. This should be more of a master and apprentice situation than a master running a temple situation. and,
0: And to be honest, I think as much as he was cool as a cucumber in that scene, like, this is still, hey, it's me, Luke Skywalker. Like, he's only, like, a couple years past that. Like, he's still an adventurer i think at this point i think he's in his x-wing because i don't think he was hanging out at a meditation spot i think he was probably on some adventure when he got the call you know well he's he...
1: wearing the jedi robes not of a traditional master Correct. not of a ceremony but of a jedi knight of an adventurer he... and as far as we know luke has not trained anyone before Correct. this point so this could literally be his first foray into being a master
0: Correct. So, and again, timeline-wise, we might have it where this experience with Goku tells him he should rebuild the Jedi Order, and mm-hmm. maybe he reaches out to his sister to start training, or maybe they started training, and then he said, maybe yeah. we shouldn't tra- train to be, be yeah. Jedi. Maybe that's not the path. Like,
1: we Well, timeline-wise, we would know that him and Leia have already, like that scene we see in The Rise of Skywalker, that would have already happened. Okay. But he would not have started training Ben yet. Oh no! Because no, that doesn't happen, I think, until he's thirteen or something like that. There, there no, is a year associated with that. I just it's, can't remember it off it's, end. It's
0: like half a decade in the future, yeah. at least. Yeah. I mean, what, what I'm trying to say is, though, it it seems to me like you, what your point is of Luke is not saying, "Ah, I found the first of the next generation of Jedi." Like it doesn't feel that. No, way. No, it doesn't at all. Um, and I think we'll, what we're going to see is, like, again, Grogu being given insight and given more power and more agency, uh, I think with unlocking his force power, my pet theory has always been that season three will be them separated and then it will bring them back together either at the end of that season or as the thrust into season four of those two characters needing to be together. But the, the thing, I'm, thing with Grogu is from here, Grogu is going to reconnect with his Jedi roots and his force powers. Mm-hmm. And that's what Luke represents is the opportunity to sort of um, reconcile that past that we know Grogu has. But we as the audience
1: have not seen. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I completely agree with that. I think the question will be the big question for me anyway, going forward is the next time we see Grogu, is it? With Luke, is he then out of Luke's life? Is he sort of back with Din permanently? Is he just oh, coming yeah. back to Din to sort of help solve one thing and then go back with Luke? You know, that's the thing I'm most excited yeah. to see is where, how is all of this going to play into the larger well, story? I think
0: now that we've mixed Luke into the mix in a lot of ways, this show, this show which was started out with Mandalorians are cool. Yeah. To, here's this child, oh goodness, what are we going to do with this child? How is Din going to find a safe place for this child? Yeah, I think now the twist of the show is, Grogu has sort of become like an Ahsoka. In the sense of, what happens to you yeah. that you are not present in the sequel series? Right. Like, And there's so many like connected dots of, I want to know. And just yes. like Ahsoka, like the obvious answers everyone had through Clone Wars didn't turn out to be the answers. Like, no, she doesn't die. She leaves the order. Oh, I didn't really have that on my bingo card. Okay. Well, what happens after that? She becomes a leader of the rebellion. Oh, what happens after that? She goes to a space time portal and disappears for a couple decades. Certainly didn't have that on my bingo card. (laughs) You know, so the same thing with Grogu, like what's going to happen to Grogu? How does he evolve? How does he grow? And how is he not part of the Luke story we see in the sequel trilogy? Um, And so that's going to be a fascinating place to grow. And, and I think I think the most fascinating thing about Grogu is Grogu I think also is in many ways like one of the most obvious links to a big, big future for Star Wars because there's a part of your brain that wants to know what does Grogu look like when he finally matures, and that's well past the sequel trilogy. You know, that's yeah. going way further into the future of Star Wars than we we've yeah. ever really let ourselves imagine. Absolutely. Um, cause again, by the time Groku is, you know, let's say he matures into adult at 150 or 200, like that's like 150 years from now <laughs> where we're seeing him in Mandalore. Yeah. That's still 120 years past the sequel tr- trilogy, you know, um, kind of got while. a
1: ways to go. He's, he's got so much growing up to do. Mm-hmm. He will be the grandmaster of the new Jedi council when Ray starts it.
0: Ooh,
1: maybe that's do, what do,
0: So, do you think on the Razor Crest, one of the things we lost was like the little the measuring chart where did like <laughs> using the magic marker on the one yeah he's on got, the yeah. on ledge and yeah. then Mark just never moves. It's just the same one over and over and over again. You know
1: what though? He did grow a little bit between seasons one and two, so there has to be some growth in there. He's definitely a but little. Do you taller. think
0: it's more than a marker's width of height?
1: <laughs> No, no, probably not. So no. the, the mark got thicker instead yes. of there being two distinct marks. It's just
0: one mark that's rose up. And yeah, it's thick. like he's
1: coloring it in as they go.
0: So Grogu, uh, amazing character, probably one of the most uh, intriguing characters. Like you said, opens up a lot more questions about Yoda's species. Yeah. Um, and I think especially now that we see the inner mind, thanks to Ahsoka, like slowly becoming one of the most fascinating characters characters.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wars. We've seen him uh, you know, show off many different force powers for someone who's, you know, relatively young uh in their time frame. You know, he's obviously got like force What would you call it? Force hold, force animate, force, you know, suspend what he does with the Munhorde. He's got healing. He's got uh, like a force push that he uses. Uh, He obviously has the ability to like communicate through the force. So we're seeing many, many different things from a character who can't even speak a single word, which is really, really fantastic and fun. So it's only going to expand from here.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great.
1: All right, Mac, let's move on and talk about another member of his species, a member of the Jedi Council, Yaddle herself, right after this.
0: Okay, so a dimorphic species is a species in which when you have the two sexes, they have slightly different traits. Now, we did not that know that Yoda's species had such a thing. We thought Yoda was a Yoda, the Yoda. He's a Yoda. He's a 900-year-old being
1: who's just a being of pure magic. Uh-huh. Until episode one comes out. And oh boy, are we in for a treat. We are seeing for the first time ever another Yoda, except this one sort of has like a brown ponytail and a slightly smoother face. And boy, oh, boy, it's Yaddle. And we thought for a long time as we were coming up
0: through, um, you know, spoilers and stuff like I think everyone clinged to the fact of like, oh, my God, it's young Yoda. And he's got this glorious head of hair. Like, what happened, man? <laughs> um and and it was such a surprise when more official documentation and visual guides came out, and we established that, oh no, 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 this is this is this is Jaddle who is independent and separate from Yoda. When you watch yeah. the movie, they're both at the council at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're different people, yeah, and then the official guides told us, and like, and Yattle's a lady.
1: Yes. Yaddle's name never mentioned in the film. Uh, The first time we saw it was in the credits for the movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we don't get to see her do anything. You know, she sits there. Just hanging out in the council. And and hanging out and, you know, similar chair to Yoda's. Uh, But we do know a little bit about Yaddle thanks to a couple of different character encyclopedias over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we know about Yaddle is that during the Battle of Naboo, so when we see her in episode one, she's just over 475 years old. So about midlife for a member of her species. So not particularly old, but not particularly young either. Right. Definitely been around the block a few times. Right. We also know that, you know, much like Yoda, she's had many Padawans over the years. Most notably, Opo Rancisis. Yeah! How? I am an Opo Rancisis poser, I guess. How did I not know this? The, How did I not the, know that you had a wizard's master?
0: S- snake hair man thing. Why don't you describe Opa just for a well, second? Well, okay.
1: So, Opa Rancisis is a Jedi Master who is on the Jedi Council at the same time as Yaddle during episode one. And he is a giant snake man, meaning he has no legs. He just has a curly snake body. And mm-hmm. then his upper torso, he does have arms. And he's got like a white beard and hair that wraps around. He is goofy Big, looking. Giant, floof of yes, white hair. He is great. And he apparently was trained. By Yadl, and then they did serve on the council together. Now, here's where things get interesting. And one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about Yattle today, we just got the High Republic, right? Yep. Yaddle's 477 years old. High Republic takes place 200 years before that. Yattle should be in this story, right? Okay. Somewhere. Right. Imagine, right? And okay, so Yattle is not yet... ...in the Jedi Council. There is uh, some slight spoilers coming up for the High Republic, okay? We do get to see a scene in the Jedi Council, and a few Jedi Council members are mentioned there, right? There's Jora Mali, who's about to step down to become the head of Starlight Beacon. There mm-hmm. is Yariel Poof and Oppo Rancisis, both council- members of the Council... During the invasion of Naboo, during the Phantom Menace. So, you know, species that live and are on the council for hundreds of years.
0: Kind of the idea of like people who are, are probably new ish to the council in a relative sense, but like yeah. who are what we're going to see is the old
1: guard that are fading by the time of two, three, and four. Absolutely. One, two, and three. Absolutely. So, what's interesting here is Yaddle, right, is a Jedi master, has Padawans, gets a seat on the council. Mm -hmm. later one of her padawans Oppo rancisis joins her on the council so this leaves one of two possibilities during this scene in light of the jedi the high republic Mm -hmm. either yaddle is on the council leaves and then comes back right which is the most likely based on all the information we have
0: and we'll say and when we see the thing the mention of the starlight beacon and stuff we realize that the council isn't a permanent post scene. It, it's it's kind of like a job. It's yeah. it's one of the things of like, yeah, I'm going to serve on the council because yeah. I think the council needs me
1: right now. Oh, I have another mission to go on. Yeah. I'm going to leave the council and go do that. Yes, because, and this brings me to my next point, Yoda is mentioned as being a member of the council, although he is not currently serving on the council. He is on a sabbatical. Batical. Right. And so then the question becomes, okay, Yaddle doesn't have to be here. This is not a... Uh, you know, story-breaking bug. This is not a misrepresentation, a miss of canon. S- someone didn't miss something in the holocron. Yeah, Ugh. this is just simply at this moment in time, about 200 years before, Yaddle is not on the council. She must have been on the council already. She is currently not, and at some point in the future, she will get back on. So we know that Yaddle's time on the council comes and goes. Right. So she is definitely a um, a character that gets out there, gets her hands dirty. And we do actually have one more reference to Yaddle in canon, and that comes yep. from Fallen Order. Yeah. So in Fallen Order, Grease mentions that, you know, he's heard legend of a green pointy-eared Jedi. Mm-hmm. And Sears says, oh, you mean Yoda? And he goes, no, that's not who I mean. No. Right? <laughs> meaning, meaning Yaddle. And so, she has been out there. We don't know if she survives Order 66. We don't know, you know, why she leaves the Jedi Council. We don't know anything about her, really. Well, and we should mention, we didn't explicitly say it, but by the time of Episode 2, has left the High Council. Yeah, she is not on the Council at the start of the Clone Wars. We don't know where she is. Right. We assume she's alive, but we don't know. Correct. At least until Purge. Yeah, and see, that's the big thing we want to see. Now, it is interesting because Yaddle has... relatively recently popped up in a comic book as a vision that Vader is having. He sees her in a vision. So not her herself, but interesting to point out that modern star Wars storytellers are still thinking about her, especially with, you know, the, uh, not having her mentioned in light of the Jedi. And let's pull back the curtain just a smidge. Okay. Cause
0: one of the things that we should talk about in the real world that affects all of this is the fact that, yoda's species and its understanding was no go it was a legendary thing that any author who asked lucasfilm was always nope yoda is a mystery we're gonna keep it that way you cannot get into any details any definitions anything you can use the character of yoda if it makes sense in your story but you cannot like you can't add to it you can't tell a yoda prequel Right, yeah. you, you will never be allowed to do that. Yeah. And and to be honest, I think if things had been left the same way, that would have been it. There was Yoda, and he's the Yoda, and there's only yeah. a Yoda. And then George was like, well, take that other Yoda pop out and put out like a pompadour mm-hmm. on him, and then just put him on the council. That'd be fun. Like, episode one, we get another of the species, yeah. which creates that it's not, he's not a being, he's yeah. a species. Yeah. And then now you can see, like I, I said, that when Mandalore... Uh, chapter one came out, I'm like, seeing Grogu was like, if you needed to remember that Disney owns this property full cloth and that Lucas is in the background and a, like, an advisor emeritus but not in control of this anymore is the longest standing law of Star Wars canon has fallen because now we are seeing a background and more information about these characters. So I feel as we go on, Characters like Yato that I think people were scared to ask or scared to try and request or scared to to touch because of how taboo it was to get into that species. I think we're seeing the curtain being drawn back on that. And so characters like Yaddle and Grogu, as Mm -hmm. they go, we
1: might see more about them. I can absolutely see that. I I mean, I think that would be great. I think I don't necessarily want to know Yoda's origins. Like, I don't think I need to know that or feel that I need to know that. I'm more interested in learning about Grogu now. But frankly, if someone wants to make a book or a movie or a comic about it, I'm going to read it. I I think at this point, if you wanted to
0: tell me more of the tale of Yaddle and show me a different interpretation of that species, what is another... Because, like, Yaddle has no spoken words in all of, like, Star Wars canon. So, like, to know who that character is, who, like we said, like, just from actions we might think is a more adventurous person, right? Like, it would be cool to sort of break the mold of, okay, here is Yoda, the wise ancient grandmaster, and, like... Does Yoda, Yoda, Yaddle speak in broken speech? Is that species incapable of saying things? Like These are the kinds of questions I'm sure people were like, I'm not going to ask Lucasfilm. They're going to say no. (laughs) But I think we can finally get some of those answers. And I'm with you. I never want to know the... I want them to be terribly mysterious. And to me, that means like, okay, if you keep it less than 10 members in all of Star Wars canon of this species, that will do it. But, yeah. like, if you want to give me a name, I'm sure the name is one of those, like, I can't believe they named them. But I'm sure it'll be, like, Sheev Palpatine, where it's just, like, yeah, Sheev's his first name. And, like, oh, that's freaking weird. And then, like, two weeks later, I'm like, eh, whatever. whatever. <laughs> like, well, I remember it was like, a, you can't give the Emperor a first name. That's impossible. And that name is ridiculous. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. And then, like, a month later, I'm like, yeah, I guess that's why everyone calls him Palpatine. Sheev's kind of a weird name. I guess no one would call him that. <laughs>
1: Right? I don't remember you being anti Sheev at the beginning. I, I thought no, we no, both no. liked it. It wasn't anti Sheev. It was just like a that's a name, huh? Yeah.
0: And my my first thought my my first thought with Sheev was just the fact of like, <laughs> yeah, you that's why everyone would call him Palpatine. Yeah. Right? Because his last name is far more interesting and more yeah. feels good in the mouth than I love it. Sheave. I love it. And so the same thing with like, if you told me like Yoda's species is oh yeah, they're the uh the tryptians.
1: Yeah.
0: You can't name
1: them. That's you uh Triptyans, whatever. That sounds like an alien space name. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always thought he just didn't use Shiv in like his political campaigns because if you hear that, you're like, oh, that's a bad guy. Well, as soon as you hear cool. that, you're like, oh, that's that's a bad guy. Well, in galactic basic, so basic, aka English, it does sound a lot
0: like a Shiv. So I mean, which is a great preview for what he's about to do <laughs> to the galaxy.
1: So that is, uh, yeah, <laughs> that well, there's not a lot to her. But boy, do we want more. And again,
0: it's fascinating because of, again, how, just like Grogu, like yeah. expands the idea of yeah. these are beings. They're not, for lack of a better term, they're not the Bendu we see in Rebels, which mm-hmm. I believe the Bendu is a species of one. I think it is just that being and there are no other ones. <laughs> yeah. He did not have an adolescence. He yeah. just... Is and always has been, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and I think we could have had Yoda that way, but characters like Yaddle give us yeah, depth it,
1: and grounding in the universe. I think it would be harder to swallow the idea and the emergence of Grogu if we had never had Yaddle. Sure. I know she's basically just fancy set dressing, but it's, well, that makes it to me what more What you just reasonable. said is the most important thing. Yeah.
0: Because she's a she, yeah. and we established that, yeah. it makes Grogu understandably possible.
1: And now, of course, we all know the possibility based on the age and the timeline, Yoda and Yaddle could have gotten together and produced a Grogu. Now, I am under the belief that they produce asexually and that a giant egg comes out of their mouth. Like, Yoda just lays a giant egg. Like, remember when uh, King Piccolo bursts? Yeah, just like, just... And an egg just comes out and then that hatches into Grogu. That's what I'm expecting.
0: Uh, and I don't think that's um, that's a
1: possibility. I don't know if we're ever going to get that canon story. Mm-hmm. Um, and think about it. That's why Yaddle had to step down from the council because she was full of Grogu egg.
0: Um, correct. Or, or again, that maybe that's the whole thing is just the fact of, you know. I don't know you know what we Star Wars is weird right I don't know if it's current Canon but it was definitely part of the EU that like he had a Monday had special privileges to go back to his homeland homeland and have a family because of how limited their species was on males like they needed males to repopulate the species so he had like special oh, privileges I, know that. No, I don't remember um, that oh yeah Kat had like family he had family. Oh. Um, and it was a kind of an important thing, and again, it talked about the difficulty of he had to keep them at arm's reach because attachments and all that other yeah. stuff. Like he had to have a b- very practical thing of it. I'm like, so the concept of Jedi's having families has ticked around, but it's just generally, the Anakin parable tells us why family right. is extremely dangerous
1: for right. for Jedi's. So, I don't know. Maybe Yaddle and Yoda had that love child. There's more to learn, and we're going to get plenty of info in the High Republic, hopefully. We already have seen Yoda a little bit pop up in the High Republic, and there's only more to come. Indeed. Shining bright for all of the Outer Rim to see, the first starlight beacon goes online, Mm. connecting the Outer Rim to the heart of the Republic in a way that was never possible before. Reminding us all that we are the Republic. We are the Republic. I even have socks that say it. It's pretty darn neat.
0: You already have High Republic merchandise I, I that do. says "We
1: Are the Republic." I do. I, I wow. Do. I do. I got. Uh, I ordered the in uh, what, January. I <laughs> know. I ordered the uh, Light of the Jedi uh, special edition from Out of Print Tees, and it came oh, and with a kids. pair of High Republic socks and a High Republic pin which was a ton of fun. All right. So, this uh, so is we are first, the Republic.
0: This is our first High Republic topic. If you are trying to avoid spoilers like cancer, we are going to be talking about a few items, just yeah. little stuff that comes from Light not of the things Jedi. that
1: spoil the plot in no. any way, just things that spoil the
0: feel of the universe. But
1: if you got fingers in your ears and you're trying to avoid
0: everything, yeah. read Light of the Jedi, then listen to this. Yes,
1: absolutely. Once you have finished Light of the Jedi, you could safely listen to this topic. Um, so just be warned. Ye be warned. Ye be warned. So. Let's talk about what the Starlight Beacon is. It is the first of one of many... Um, space stations, you know, there's really no other way to describe it. One of many space stations, the first one that goes online, that is basically one of Chancellor Linus great works. Works. Mm -hmm. The great works are things that basically are meant to contribute to the growth of the galaxy to make it better. They're in a prosperous time of peace as the Republic. And so they're, you know, the money can't go towards war. The money can't go towards, um, you know, these these down-on-their-luck worlds. So it's going towards these things that are meant to provide peace and service to the galaxy. It's basically reinvesting in the people, and it's also giving the outer rim a way to basically say, hey, you are part of the Republic. Even though you're so far from the core worlds, and you're basically a whole region just of settlers and small worlds that, you know, some of you were only just discovered, This station is going to not only provide you with tactile, tangible benefits, Mm -hmm. but also symbolic benefits as well.
0: Well, and this is what we saw with a world that was much more at peace. This is referencing, in my opinion, a lot of Republic history or American history in the sense of there's they say uh, among the other great works are the Republic Fair and the communications relay systems being improved around the galaxy yeah. i'm like this reminds me of yeah. the early 20th century when yeah. america was focused on world's fair the yeah. american electrification act making sure the yeah. west had electricity yeah. and telecommunications and yes. the transcontinental railroad yes. like yes
1: because it's a space yes. western so the outer <laughs> the outer rim is the west yes it's, it is that's exactly what it is and it's funny because you know growing up watching star wars I never really thought that, like, oh, man, planets like Tatooine, those are on the edge of the galaxy. This is just really? a civilization that just got started.
0: Re- really? If there's a bright center of the universe, you're on the planet farthest from. I know, didn't but really...
1: as, as, like, a dumb five-year-old. You, you just didn't take like, that literally. You just yeah. took it as a whiny teen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like every planet is this empty. Like, in my mind, it did. Like, this is the universe. Every right. planet is this, okay? Sure. And it didn't click that there were major metropolises or planets like Alderaan or Naboo out there. And we, as you a know, group, didn't really
0: see that until really the prequels. I but mean, the, to a lesser degree, yeah. like the special edition of M, of R- Jedi when we finally get yeah. the Coruscant. You're like oh, that's the bright center of the
1: galaxy that Tatooine is the furthest from. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, when I did eventually, you know, become a little bit older, you know, like a preteen or whatever, and was watching Star Wars and old enough to understand this a little bit more, you know, the prequels had come out and whatnot. Oh, okay. So maybe these worlds on the Outer Rim, they are a little bit more rough and tumble. They are a little bit more, you know, um, non civilized, right? But yeah. I still, even up until, well, when I read it, would not have thought that, you know, we had only just begun to explore the outer whim 200 years ago. You know, 200 years ago doesn't feel like it's funny. America is our the country we live in is not that much more than 200 years old. I mean, Jesus, 250 now coming up on it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's kind of, so, no, it's insane okay, to think. I just about got that. rocky on the brain, the bicentennial, all right? Uh, no, but, but it,
0: it is crazy to think about the fact that we are talking about a time period that is so vast that yeah. our country fits inside yeah. of the timeline of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean,
1: we've basically gotten to see a country rise and fall in that time. And now here we are, you know, saying, oh, of course, a government could completely change. And, you know, like 200 years is a large amount of time. Just when you think of it on the galaxy scale, in my mind, I just wasn't thinking of it that way. I was thinking of it as like, it won't be that different. They'll basically be the same Jedi. They'll be wearing the same clothes and acting in basically well, the same ways. But no, not at all. We're getting no, something completely new and different. And the galaxy is completely different than it was when we met it.
0: Right, and 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 you're seeing them. um, Something I loved about the original Old Republic stuff of Tales of the Jedi was what an ancient species looked like. Like I like the fact that yes, Tatooine has been settled for centuries, but like it's even worse in theory than (laughs) it than it is when Luke's there. Like Luke there, like they have Bestine. There's an Imperial outpost on here. The Republic gives a crap about this planet enough to have an official like embassy and presence. That is what the whole starlight beacon represents is that, uh, essentially a toehold for the republic instead of paying homage to the outer rim and saying hey you guys super glad that some of you are part of us we we support you this is the republic spending capital literally to, putting their money where their mouth is to, saying to we you are we are the republic you are part of us yeah. it is not just something where you are not the second-class citizens you might feel like. We are making our first efforts to make you part of the They're actually
1: pandering to down-on-their-luck communities, not just doing it for a vote. It obviously is a golden age. Yes. So, uh, okay. So let's talk about what the Starlight Beacon actually does. Sure. Like, what its functional purposes are, besides being a symbolic symbol of the Republic and the Jedi out in the Outer Rim. All right? So, Starlight Beacon is designed from triazorite. Okay, this is a new material in Star Wars, Mac. I know how much you love your Star Wars materials. I do, and it's
0: over 19%
1: of this rare material. Over 19%, which allows it to increase, it makes it a much stronger communications relay. And so already it's going to help stabilize and speed up transmissions from the outer rim to the core and mid-rim worlds. But it's also, when more of these starlight beacons are operational, going to provide better communication just among the outer rim itself. So that way, those planets can talk and work together. It's a massive hub for sublight communications. Absolutely, it is designed to um, serve the needs of all the citizens in the area. So, one thing that I thought was really cool is its neutral ground to negotiate a dispute. So, if you have two warring planets, or you know, uh, like a planet that has a you know a, a, a dispute between two factions. What you have is you have this this like neutral ground station, and of course it's also staffed by Jedi. So that way, if the conflict gets out of hand, you have peacekeepers there. In fact, it is the biggest Jedi temple outside of Coruscant.
0: Right, and, and and at this time, the the idea is that the Jedi, which have already been very present in the Outer Rim territories, because they've been the only law enforcement that really the Republic can send out that far because yeah. you can send two Jedi to a planet and they can do a lot. You you can't do that with, you know, any other non-magical beings. <laughs> um, and the Jedi are very excited. Yeah. Um, one of the things I liked about Light like, of the Jedi, they talk about these Jedi romances of like these these Jedi are written like, like Western heroes. They're the lone ranger coming to this down and out planet yeah. and they're this beacon of light, you know, cleaning up the desperados and making it safe for the normal folk. I I love that idea. And it seems that that's what uh, the starlight outpost represents is instead of having these rugged frontier Jedi, the Jedi are getting the official support to really help civilize and help bring in the fold. um, The Jedi, which is, as we kind of know is it's going to be one of the central conflicts of the high Republic is not everyone wants law and
1: order and justice and peace to come to the outer rim. (laughs) Absolutely. And that is something we see throughout the book. I won't give any more spoilers on that, but it is something that is very, very interesting here. Um, The starlight beacon. It's so funny because we know Well, we don't know, but we can assume those starlight beacons don't last forever. So it's so fun to be able to see here its beginning, like when everybody's so optimistic about it. Uh, It's also a hospital, an -hmm. observatory, a research station, and it includes displays of different citizens and species from around the Outer Rim, you know, from that region. So including things uh, I like this it gives some details whisper fiber concerts by Chandra fans yeah Moncala ocean dancing flora and fauna from many different worlds you know I think in the book they mention Kashyyyk, but you know they say lots of different worlds so basically not only is it a, a a utility for the republic and the citizens of that area it's also an art installation you know an installation of peace and knowledge and discovery. Uh, an adventure, and it, it just represents all the things that the Jedi want to represent in a positive way. Yes, because they are the architects of this. So while it is on a Republic <laughs> commission,
0: the Jedi, which have already been the galaxy's most revered, you know, negotiators, are unsurprisingly tapped to hey, build something that everyone can be happy with, you know, it is the Republic and it is the Republic, but it's not an oppression. It's a welcoming connecting to the local people. Yes. It's all about harmonizing with what's already on the outer rim with the core. Yes. Uh, which leads us to uh, the named uh, Jedi architects. Uh, Paulo Hidalgo. Yeah. Which I, <laughs> I just want to call him like uh, uh BG. Cause like those are the two letters missing to make it Pablo Hidalgo. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. I, There's a lot of people that have gotten the, I'm an important person to the Star Wars property, and I've been brought in with an honorary character named after me. But, like, this is maybe the most, like, you don't need to know any, you just need to know who Paulo Hodago is, and you'll see he's the architect of this great Star Wars thing.
1: I'm like, oh, who could that be? Who could they be (laughs) referencing there? They do such a good job of just like it comes in right. It's just one random sentence. They don't linger on it, but you know, it's just a it's such a fun homage and in such a great way. And you know, this is the first story in an entire new era. This is, you know, this Starlight Beacon Station is the crux of the whole republic's purpose at this time of their existence. You know, that this high era of the Republic. And so to have I mean, frankly, just to have a story where you're not being eaten from within, you know, right. where you're not being destroyed. You know, this story was not th- about a Jedi that went to the dark side. This story was not about, um, you know, the evil of the Sith rising up. This story was about something else. And to have it, um, you know, this Starlight Beacon be the center of it is just a ton of fun. Well,
0: the, the thing that's nice is it's not a time of insidiousness. It's not the threats are coming from within. They're coming from without. Yeah the 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 main enemy, you know, face of the enemy, the the Nile that we see. There are a bunch of raiders on the outsides of civilization coming in to attack the Republic. Like yeah. it's fantastic
1: because everybody in the Republic gets along in this era. Yeah. Everyone's doing okay. Yeah. And that's and, really what the the crux of the beacon is about is the Republic is happy. The Republic is functional. The Republic is prosperous. Hey, Outer Rim Worlds that we just discovered, come join us.
0: And I think the biggest thing to me is it reminds me of when America was on its ascent after World War I, um, where we had, like, we wanted to have the national exhibitions. We wanted to share with, like, the prosperity and the, the ingenuity that we had come up with. And our whole goal was we want to give this to the world. And it's what made things like walt disney inspired of like that's why he wanted to build epcot the experimental prototype city of tomorrow like this perfect inhabitable community and that's what the starlight beacon really reminds me of it is a planned city Mm -hmm. for mutual prosperity a bunch a bunch of different diverse groups and people and species and it's so dang hopeful (laughs) yes it is it is I hope nothing bad
1: happens to it I know I really don't want to see it get destroyed (laughs) I I I
0: really want to imagine that it's just it's a little run down it's more like a great museum that like people from Tatooine visit from time to time it's got a whole bunch of imperial propaganda over it during the Civil War like
1: I want to think it still exists that would be even funnier if it would have been taken over and became like an imperial propaganda machine well
0: you figure if this is the central pin of the Republic's expansion of the telecommunications network out to the outer rim you assume that Two hundred years later, it's still probably relatively load bearing. Like it's Uh still an important jewel in that crown of telecommunications.
1: I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I hope it's still standing. I hope we learn that it survives. And I hope that during this High Republic
0: we get just a novel. I want like the battles the Babylon five, Deep Space (laughs) Nine, like I just want to read about like the day-to-day life of the staff dealing with this cosmopolitan city floating in nothingness. (laughs) And like just the fun anecdotal stories of trying to keep this this place running and keep everybody
1: happy on it. I hope so. I, I'd read that book. Oh, I'm into it. <laughs> All right. I hope we get more about Starlight Beacon one day soon.
0: I, I think we will. I we think it's, definitely. I think it's will. a
1: central character of this story. Yes. We just like the Death Star, it will be back. <laughs> All right. Let's close this up, huh? Let's do it.
0: bring another episode of star wars all in to a close here in our glorious season three wonderness our first joint episode normal episode kind of 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 the the new
1: year of 2021 where everything's gonna be different it felt it feels good to be back oh yes it it feels good to be back in person yes uh it was fun to record without you last week i did have a, a fun talking about star wars books but it wasn't the same
0: I also glad that I don't have to do, like, two nasal rinses and a shower just to be prepared
1: to knock out just one segment of a podcast like I did for last week. Oh, boy. Yeah, Mac has not been feeling so no. great. But luckily, he does not have COVID. He is yes. just uh, classic winter sick. Normal sick. Yes. And in these days, that's all you can ask for.
0: Right. No, I I got tested. I was very happy that didn't work out. And while I was malazing around here, I ate through uh, most of the Light of the Jedi's audiobook. Oh,
1: yes, yes, yes. You're making progress. Uh, I have finished it. Mm -hmm. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think I'm being crazy when I say it is one of the best books in the new expanded universe And I think a lot of people will feel that way um, just because of the way that it reads alone. It just it feels a lot like a Star Wars film. In a way that a lot of legends books didn't capture properly, it's got um, a cinematic
0: description to it. And the other thing I like about it is it's it's got a very wide view, like the way. It, it's that also
1: it, yeah, it's not a character study, and a no. lot of Star Wars canon novels are about a single character. This you are introduced to a whole new galaxy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really, you, you've met all the pieces on the board. Well, probably not all of them, but you've met <laughs> yeah. a lot of the pieces on the board rather than just one Jedi or one villain or whatever. You know,
0: right, right. Well, yeah, you can read in like you're meeting these little vignettes of these different people, and and what's great about it is like you can say like, oh, they're gonna get their own novel, oh, they're gonna be in the comic book, oh, yes, they're gonna be yes, like, yes, 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 You yes. can see that that we we introduced a a, a Game of Thronesian sized cast. Yes. that's gonna now just splinter out in all directions. And that's to teach sure us more about what this it universe. feels like.
1: Absolutely. Now I. I have also started the other High Republic novel that came out, A Test of Courage, although I have not finished with it yet. In fact, I'm still, like, only 20% of the way in, so not very far at all. Mac, I know you haven't touched that one yet, but you have read the High Republic comic, haven't you? Yes, I
0: started Marvel issue number one of High Republic, um, which is, I have to admit, it's one of those things of, like, I can't imagine reading that, but not having read where, at least where I got it in Light of Jedi, just because they... They, they dovetail. I think the thing we're seeing that is so exciting about this project is yeah. this is... Yes, they all went to a retreat in California, talked about what they were going to do, and then they left to work on their individual project That's yeah. a bigger, broader story.
1: Oh! I know! It's crazy! It's crazy, right? Did you see, by the way, an episode of Star- uh, Disney Insider just came out uh, this past Friday that's the show on disney plus that is like basically yeah. behind the scenes and one of the segments on the newest episode is from the high republic oh, no. it's like a video footage from launch day and like leading up to it of all the oh, authors that's... and stuff so it's only like 10 minutes but check it out it's really cool oh
0: that's really cool yeah because yeah. i think when like oh like you're reading about these characters and it's kind of like a side you're kind of seeing an apprentice and a master sort of you know getting the feeling of these two characters and then like then, you know, they start feeling, like, I don't want to spoil anything, so, yeah. like, they start feeling what is happening in Light of the Jedi, and then Light of the Jedi, like, I just, it worked out perfectly that by the time I got to Light of the Jedi, like, and then, oh, the Trandoshan Master Skier, and I'm like, I know that guy! <laughs> like, it was, um, yeah. it, it reminded me of what, at its best, I love about comic books, where, all these characters exist all at the same time and they're doing their own things and they're going to weave in and out of each other's stories. Yeah. Um, I think for a general audience, the closer you get is the marvels when you get the little cameos of mm-hmm. like, like, Oh, Captain America's in the, you know, the PE video for uh Spider-Man's class because Captain America is a character yes. in this world doing his own things. Yes. Right. <laughs> um. I think high Republic sets a great, tapestry for hey here's all these different characters and all these different vectors that we can look at the story from and we're gonna we're gonna go along those lines and we know that like the disaster that kicks off the high republic era is going to be felt in many places by many different beings and we're going to show you keep showing you different facets of what that did to the galaxy and i feel it's like a comic book of like a year from now or whenever there will be the next big connective thing that a lot of characters will cross over for to deal with. And we will see that from many, many perspectives. And it will be this living, breathing, evolving it, place. Yes,
1: it'll be very interesting to see how the High Republic is spread out, because we've got essentially adult novels coming from Delray. We've got young adult and young reader novels coming from Disney Publishing. And then we have... um Regular, the High Republic comic from Marvel. And then we have uh, the High Republic Star Wars Adventures comic as well, which will be coming out. So we have a fair amount of past that we can get this information from. It's just going to come down to, you know, what do you find interesting? What do you want to read? Of course, I think we both recommend starting with Light of the Jedi. If you want to, you know, dive into the High Republic era, that's the place to start. But, hey, if it doesn't sound like it's for you, that's fine. There's plenty of other Star Wars out there, too. And I think as the stories evolve and we get more individualized,
0: encapsulated stories, if you're here for like, well, I just want to, you know, like there's a lot of characters that I can't wait for their stories to be told. And I'm like, the best part is I think you will get to a place where you can pick and choose what you want. I think right now we're consuming we're it all because it's all available. You know, there's only so much available. Um, but I think they've created what their intended goal was. Here is a new era of Star Wars here are the conflicts yes. here are the tensions here are some of the brightest stars in the galaxy at this yes. time but you could also like as a person who plays role tabletop role playing games I'm just like oh it's so trivial to like just imagine your own characters running around in this era and what are they doing and what adventures are they on because it's it's a really interesting place and it's so wide and so broad And there's so many moving parts happening in what is going on in the galactic scene. It's not hard to imagine this is a place we can tell stories officially for decades in.
1: Yeah, I mean, they did announce that, you know, it's going to be broken up over three phases. And the first phase is probably this year and next. So that's significant. I mean, you know, that's a a long run. And I think they're really eyeing up probably a decade worth of stories. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I think that's great, you know. Have a beginning, middle, and an end. Have a set story from the beginning. And if it takes five years, if it takes ten years, that's great. But end it eventually, and I think that's exactly what they have planned. And I yep. think that, unlike Legends, this will not just die out without an ending. I think we will get it's on more a much, to this. I
0: think it's on a much more massive scale, but this is, this is Shadows of the Empire in the sense of this is a multimedia event, and it is a it is a encapsulated thing where that was only one story told in many mediums. I think this is a big story told in many different facets, but that you're right. I don't think in the 2040s, we'll keep telling stories about the high Republic. It will just be, remember that great part of Star Wars history.
1: Right, and if we're not still telling stories in the High Republic then we're telling stories um, you know, before the High Republic you know, let's go another hundred years earlier or let's, you know, let's go to the Old Republic You know, we can always come back here there can always be more but it'll be nice to see a full complete story.
0: And maybe that's the best closest thing is is the Old Republic which had its sort of run, especially with the video games. It has a roundedness to it. If you play the M.O.R.P.G you, you kind of know the natural conclusions of that and that that will create the republic as we know yes. it going forward so it yeah fascinating
1: times to be into star wars there's a lot going on in star wars uh i finished uh empire strikes back from a certain point of view oh. um enjoyed it thoroughly you know no i mean how could it you will say be anything the book else? we will yeah. keep
0: referencing for years to
1: come <laughs> yeah there are some stories i absolutely loved in it um i don't know if Overall, it sits with me as well as the first one did, but I mean, that's just because the love for that first one is so, so great. Uh, And this one was just a little bit longer, and this is not the fault of any one author or anything, but Empire is such a smaller movie. I don't really know how else to describe it. Um, There's so many less side characters. So, you know, you have so much of the book Feels like describing the same events over and over again, whereas the first one felt like just you're going through the movie in a continuous way. I think this that, felt like you were jumping all over the place a little
0: now bit. No, I'm more. not done with it, but I'm loving it. But like, I I think you're right in the sense that like, it's the Battle of Hoth. Well, if we're gonna tell multiple characters' perspective, they're gonna all be around when the walkers, you yeah. know, are around. You're gonna hear yeah. hear Imperials have entered the base a handful of times yeah. because. It's such a singular yeah. moment. There's not many and, other ways and to And that's all
1: it. okay. It's just... And, and I loved the book. Don't be wrong. It's, a, oh, no, it's no. a 10 out of 10. I loved it. But that is what I noticed and felt different about compared to the first well, one. Well, realistically, I think what it comes down to is Empire is a much tighter
0: character-driven story. Yeah. Whereas... New Hope is introducing us to this galaxy, this universe, and it's a relatively small story. It's about a boy going through this adventure. So there are so many latitudes to go out from his story as a spine, like to see different things because so much of the galaxy is unknown to us while we're watching New Hope. We basically see a dirt planet, a space (laughs) station and this hidden base. Yeah, We, you know, What's happening on Coruscant? What's happening, you know, all over the galaxy? There's so much more space. And I think you'll probably see more of that in return, because Return of the Jedi, when we get to a certain point of view, which we better. We better. (laughs) We will, three more years. Three, three more. Well,
1: well two more ye- two more oh! years yeah oh. we're getting closer well, we've never no, been
0: closer it's twi- oh my god you're right we're in 2021 we're 2021 i know it doesn't oh, feel like time boy. has moved okay. at all yes, 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 yes but yes. in two years from now yeah. you know in may-ish of tw- of uh-huh. 2023 uh-huh. we'll get yeah, hopefully okay. return the jedi and i'm like i think between the mustering at Must our Moose- um at uh solace and, like, hearing how all the rebels come back together, what they are doing on their mission while the group is down on Endor, mm-hmm. hearing more perspectives of the Battle of Endor, which is mostly a montage in the film. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more space to play uh-huh. with. We'll and get think, a story
1: like, from Ewok's perspective. You know that's going to happen.
0: Warwick. You're going to have to get his perspective of meeting this, like, this wicked. hairless, tall. Wicked.
1: Yeah, Wicked. wicked. <laughs> Warwick Davis played yeah. Wicked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, but wait, isn't it Warwick W? Wic- isn't Wicked W? War- doesn't he have? Anyway, the point of the uh, matter is Ewoks. You're going to have Ewok stories. But like, I think you're right that while I love Empire and I think at some level I like this book more than the first one. But I think that's just because I have so many more feelings for the events, characters and things happening in Empire. Um, it, it does feel a little more.
1: Retready because there are yeah. so many moments you repeat yeah. you repeat yeah. you repeat yeah so that's just my only thing about it I absolutely loved it I don't want to make it seem like I didn't um, particularly uh, CO's story is one of the best things I've ever read and I also love there's a great story with L3 uh, oh, yeah. so just I, I I mean if you haven't picked it up I mean we can only talk about how great they are so much again if you're not into the High
0: Republic I know you're into Star Wars Empire Strikes Back so pick this book <laughs> yes who doesn't
1: love Empire Strikes Back
0: all right well I'm so I'm so excited about 2021 I think there's a lot going on the High Republic engaged and all the other fun announcements uh, we talked a little bit about like the Lucasfilm stuff and how much that's explo- exploded when Lucasfilm's games and now we're going to get an Ubisoft game for Star Wars that's open world and we're going to get
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: more ea properties and less than
1: a year till the book of boba fett it's gonna be
0: so much and i cannot wait to be part of that but it's time for this to end i'm mac and i'm ross and until we talk about this wonderful year next wednesday
1: May the force be with you
0: This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.